0: Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the first podcast today uh, of Cinema Latin Experience Mexico. Uh, this is a virtual film series uh, for the month of October. And this is a film series that is going to be hosted by Hyperreal Film Club. So I want to give a big shout out to Hyperreal. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, today, I am your host, and I will be your host for the month of October. My name is Nico Trevino. Um, I am from Texas and currently based in Austin. Uh, So today joining us, we do have Carlos Rocha. He is a photographer and a friend of mine. Um, He is from Matamoros, Mexico. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this is near the border town of Brownsville, Texas. Um, Currently, Carlos is based in Austin and he just spent a month in Mexico City. Anyway, so I invited Carlos to join us today. Uh, For this first week podcast and we're going to be discussing uh, some themes surrounding Mexican culture, uh, what comprises Mexican culture. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the stereotypes that we see in the media specifically in film Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we can with border relations and xenophobia and kind of to wrap it all up we will be discussing Um, as an underlying theme of this series, modernity and Mexico and the identity uh, that Mexico has uh, being portrayed and the play at large in cinema and the Mexican identity. Anyway, so uh, today we're going to be talking about the first week's film, Ya No Estoy Aquí, I Am No Longer Here, this film was directed by Fernando Frias de la Parra, and this was released in 2019. This film uh, debuted in the United States in Mexico, uh, I'm sorry, in, uh, with Netflix. And so it is available on Netflix, and this was in May of this year, of 2020. So it is a relatively new film for US American audiences. However, it has had its circuit um, with international festivals. Anyway, so uh, again, I'm here joined with, uh, with Carlos, and we're just going to talk about the film, kind of talk about some of the themes. Anyway, Carlos, uh, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Uh, you know, y- yeah, I mean,
1: lots to cover there. I mean, uh, for me, it was the second time doing it. I was actually kind of really happy that he brought it. He brought it up. It was really coincidental since I had just seen it um, a week or two right before uh, we talked about this. Um, but yeah, I mean like where, where's, where do we really begin? Uh, uh the first thing that really kind of comes to mind whenever we're talking about, uh, Mexican cinema is just kind of like the, the breadth of, of, uh, of Mexican culture in general. Uh, that's just the most striking on, like on the face, uh, I guess topic or feature that really comes up to me is just, um, whether it's this movie or any of other recent, like huge, like uh, Mexican cinema, it's, it's been, uh, uh, kind of eye-opening to think that, oh, wow. Like Mexican culture is like really diverse. It it includes all kinds of little subcultures and little moments in history, uh, that, that, uh, where all these, uh, special niche, uh, cultures come, come to happen, um, dialects, even, um, all kinds of obviously fashion in this. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is just like wow. Uh, again, uh, Mexico doesn't like stop to doesn't cease to amaze me in how like uh, diverse it is. Uh, how many like different kinds of experiences are are there? I mean, you've. Said Uh, In my introduction, I'm from Matamoros, which uh, for for those who've seen the film, Ulises is from uh, Monterrey and outskirts of Monterrey. Monterrey is a a giant city. Um, It's the second biggest city in Mexico. And even even then, I still felt like I was from a a slightly more urban or just more like bigger city than than even he is in that movie. Um, Because he is from a tiny... Uh, neighborhood barrio in 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 Monterrey um, i'm not sure if you've ever been in Monterrey
0: no personally i haven't uh i have been to Reynosa but uh that's that's as close as i've gotten um, but yeah no it it's that is one thing that uh is striking as, as to how large of a city it actually is um something of over 4 million people live in the metropolitan area of Monterrey and I I guess I just have to add this. I guess people underestimate the size and the amount of people who actually live in Mexico. Like just geographically speaking, it is such a large country. Um, I read this kind of silly fact uh, that if how mountainous it is, if you were to flatten it all, um, Mexico would actually be larger than the whole continent of Asia, which like really blew my mind. But yeah, no, okay, so like we have a very large country here. We have a very diverse population here. Um, Lots of ethnicities, lots of experiences going on. And yes, where this film takes place in the city of Monterrey is a very large city, which um, from Brownsville, Texas, it's uh, I think about three hours from Laredo, maybe about another three. And then from Mexico City, Monterrey is like 10 hours away. Like, and this is by car, you know, this this kind of like yeah. just yeah. speaks to the the size of it.
1: Yeah, it, it, you have, yeah, basically whole different regionalisms, um, which again is just one of those things that I, th- I find really beautiful. beautiful that you go somewhere that uh, maybe your family's not from and you'll, you'll realize that they talk completely different, that uh, maybe the cuisine has slightly different uh, aspects to it. It's one of the things I noticed uh, not really related to this, but in Mexico city was, there was a lot of uh, Yucatecan and and Yucatecan peninsula uh, food, which is uh, mine influenced. Uh, Anyway, uh, Monterrey. Yeah. Especially outskirts of Monterrey uh, around the time that that this is happening. My understanding is early 2010s, which is uh, kind of onset of, 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 uh, a lot of the uh, narco-traffic violence that happened in, in the borderlands of, of, of uh, Mexico. Um, in the film, you actually hear, um, I believe it's Pena Nieto, talking the former president mm-hmm. of Mexico uh, at the beginning. And in, in, uh, I, I don't remember what the first address is. I know that the second address that he, that he says over the radio is basically him um, sending the military into some of these areas in Monterrey some of the rural areas of Monterrey to kind of uh, deal with some of the violence that goes on there. So, obviously, uh, our protagonist releases from kind of a uh, affected area. Um, uh, people are kind of familiar with with the concept of favelas in in Rio being, uh, you know, uh, impoverished areas where. where uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, crime that happens, not, not necessarily because of any conditions or anything like that, but um, it's just known as like an unsafe neighborhood uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Monterrey has a has a whole rim of these neighborhoods all around the the, the perimeter of the city, um, because the city is just built into this big mountain basin. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere you look at uh, in the night sky in Monterrey, you see these beautiful lights uh, on the side of this mountain, you know, all the way, all around you, uh, 360 degrees. But, um, you know, what you don't realize is that like, there's a lot of pain and like suffering and just kind of like poverty really, uh, in these areas. Um, so these people, you know, they're just trying to survive and not even just survive, but also just, you know, enjoy their, enjoy their life. So, uh, that's what like some of this film kind of touches on is that like, these subcultures happen uh there's kind of an outgrowing of like you know lack of resources. Uh as it, even the music that he's listening to, cumbia, that's uh, it's been in Mexico for many decades and Mexico has had its uh, has had its way with cumbia and had its own uh, versions of cumbia but the uh the 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 Tercos and all the guys that he at least hangs out with are all uh, really specifically into Colombian Cumbia, which is kind of some of the oldest Cumbia there is. And I guess where Cumbia kind of originated from. So I found that really interesting that they kind of just uh, kind of carved out a little niche for themselves um, in this area that like uh, you can hear pretty early, pretty early on in the uh, in the movie uh, where they kind of talk down on uh, corridos. And corridos are uh, narco corridos, are pretty commonly known as like those, that's like what the nar- that's what the Narcos like listen to. Uh,
0: okay. Just like, yeah, um, defining uh, aspect of that sort of gang or that sort of lifestyle.
1: Yeah. So it, it, to them, it's like, you can tell even from the beginning, it's a little bit of like a, um, I don't want to say repudiation because there's still violence that happens, but there's a little bit of like a distinction between them and like, hey, we do, this is our thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I yeah. found to be really interesting if I can just, interject real quick um you know for the most part uh a lot of like the political stuff that's going on again with the radio uh, uh dj kind of dropping his mic and allowing the president to the the newly inducted president to make his announcement um that is like so subtle so you it's it's just kind of dropped in there and you notice it in the background and of course like there are these skirmishes between these like Uh, these other gangs and the police and there, there are multiple confrontations yet Ulysses and his gang, Los Tercos, they kind of like just observe it and they just kind of move right around it. They, they don't stop to, to really get involved other than when there is the instance of one of the members going and stealing a a hand radio from uh, one of the gang members who's an not a rival gang but not part of their gang he's i guess he's a rival gang anyway so he he's having a confrontation with the police and you know they they go steal the radio they don't try to like fight the police or fight the other gang so in a in a way this like sort of group this subculture this counterculture that they're a part of they are nonviolent they are just kind of doing their own thing um just you know, existing within this political backdrop and this sort of historical backdrop of the culture within like Cumbia and like the Latin, um, you know, how Cumbia started in Colombia. And so they even make the reference of like, you know, what sort of music do you listen to? I listen to Colombia. It's like, that's a country, that's not a genre, but it's like, they have the K in there. Um, I mean, I watched the movie with subtitles. I'm not sure if you understood uh, everything that they're saying as it is a you know a sort of street dialect. Um but anyway, you know that that I think in itself was a deliberate uh, you know nod as as being a K because a K simply doesn't exist in the Spanish alphabet. Yet mm-hmm. they kind of identify themselves with Colombia and that's uh you know again yeah. a K but yeah they they they're they're nonviolent. They kind of do their own thing. They they roam the streets in the day and in the night yet they have these like battles of turf that are really only for like pride and for bragging rights it's not even for violence um it is and later to da- film
1: oh, sorry That's- you were gonna say yeah yeah the da- the, the dance offs yeah those are the really cool moments and like where they're basically just like community and it's not just mm-hmm. them it's all the other ones that are uh, uh i can't do the hand thing but uh, they're all <laughs> They're all star, uh, basically associates, but there was all the, all these other little cliques where they're also into Colombia and everybody shows up, kind of show off and uh, basically just uh, all just you know commune basically, for lack of a better word, um, uh, in the music that they've that they've in a way uh, recreated. I don't want to say uh, well that's maybe not the best word, but they've, uh, reinterpreted it at least because a lot of them are, are slowed down, uh, where mm-hmm. they've, they've like, you know, basically maybe not chopped it, but definitely screwed it, you know, got uh, a lot more in, uh, the tempo.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought that that was like really interesting. I mean, I'm, so I grew up in Dallas and, you know, kind of like in the Texas culture that I'm familiar with, you know, this, this, uh, Tejano, like, you know, tech, uh, Tex-Mex, I guess is like the easiest way to put it, but like putting a, a culture to Tex-Mex and like being Mexican-American, um, you know, I, I grew up listening to rap. I, I grew up listening to people who, uh, you know, I guess like wasn't necessarily mainstream at the time and Chopped and Screwed coming from Houston. Uh, yeah. Like when I when I first heard the the music in this film, I immediately thought of Chopped and Screwed and um kind of like yeah this reinterpretation of the of the traditional cumbia that's like this this mexican take on it now has um i guess some added instruments than original like you know pure purist cumbia i don't know if that even is a term but um yeah it it is a the the monterey mexican cumbia scene and that right there is like hyper specific and yeah, slow yeah. down and
1: Yeah, I think uh um, I think it's really interesting in the way that he says it. Uh, where like they asked uh whenever this other kid uh, wants to join their their crew, uh uh sweatshirt, the, 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 the young boy that wants to kind of hang out with uses his crew. And uh it's pretty early in the film, but there uh it's a really and it's a really quick comment. Uh somebody Calls out to Luis and says, "Hey, like uh, my friend wants to like come hang out, uh, or at least like I forget how exactly he words. It he basically just be part of our crew." Mm-hmm. And The friend that is "Uh, is not sure if it's from Elise but if it's somebody in the crew, they they ask him, Colombia?' Uh, Eres Colombia with a K, uh, and I think they tra- they translate that way in the subtitles as well. So it's not even just like do you listen to this, or it's like are you like are you part of like this lifestyle?" It was kind of their question. Their- like just right off the bat, like, do you identify as Colombia with a K? Which, you know, not, I don't. They're not necessarily asking him outright, hey, are you Colombian and do you like cumbia by any means? But it's like, hey, are, are you down with our little uh, version, like reinterpretation, reinterpretation of the music and like our scene? So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, growing up in in uh, the valley, in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, Houston was a big like anchor for. Uh, of rap music, hip hop music in general. Uh, for me, I'm sure it must have been the same way also, even in Dallas, because Houston, especially during those years, it was, you know, it was a big movement. You know, everybody kind of heard, from, heard about uh, any of the that was like, you know, social house tapes or anything like that. DJ Screw. Uh, it wasn't like uh, it was happening in a vacuum in Houston. Like everybody in Texas was, was uh, affected and heard it. And I believe at least uh, people that are and like somewhat of our generation uh, uh, but yeah so so there's a lot of influence from that too uh, it's interesting to kind of think about their their timeline because uh, i do think there would technically be uh, if not millennials and maybe even gen Zers. like they're, they're pretty young
0: in this yes. movie so uh one danielle Garcia Trevino, the, the, who plays Ulysses, he's actually, uh, 20 years old. Um, so he was born in the year 2000 and, you know, he's got a sweatshirt, for example, he's part of the younger generation. And then he's, uh, you know, uh, Luis and, and Chapada. uh, they are, yeah, about the same age. So they're, they're definitely, I mean, you know, I'm, 26 years old so they're they're just uh you know a few years younger than us
1: film in the film he's 17 or so and it's basically present day or uh maybe like a few years back so yeah he's if not our age younger um so mm-hmm. it's just interesting, pretty new like outcropping of like or just organic happening of like subculture where they seem to have taken a lot of uh um fashion sensibilities i guess from the, uh, the cholo culture in Southern California and like that's uh, definitely present, but then it's not fully that. I mean, there's also like a little bit of, a little bit of um, uh, uh, more, more like, I, don't know it. I guess there was, a, if there was a Tejano style, it would be a little more agrarian, a little more rural. Uh, that's just what Tamaulipas is and uh, Northern uh, Nuevo León is just kind of like compared to the city like Mexico City, what's known as being more rural. So you mm-hmm. see some of the like, uh, traditional like uh, plaid patterns, like the the the, the manta patterns that, that are common on on the Sarapes. They're also used to kind of like blending uh, their own uh, local styles with like Cholo culture. And I thought that was really cool too. They all had pretty cool outfits in this movie. Uh, Props to whoever the dress uh, person was
0: yeah so no i mean that's i think like perhaps what's most identifiable about them of course like their music but their their style their look they they you know you you look at them and you don't forget them um and so yeah upon like doing some research for this this movie and kind of like into colombia as a movement and this like scene um so yeah, in the context of like 2010, 2011, when the movie was set is that, yeah, you you start to see this kind of wave of cartel violence. And I think it was in 2014, Vice actually like sent in a a journalist photographer, a documentary photographer to go kind of like capture some of the images uh, of the people And then there was another. There was a woman. uh, I think her name was Amanda Watson, um, and she's a a sociologist. She wrote an academic book, kind of like trying to capture uh, this movement. You know, as it is like a snapshot in time. You see, like this. This again. Here we are in like the the two thousands. You know, two thousands, the aughts, and then the two thousand, the teens, and now we're approaching. or in 2020. Um anyway, yeah, so like it's interesting to me to take a photograph of yourself from like 2010 and like what you were wearing. And then like to see it in 2020 and just like, oh yeah, like I wore that and I thought it was cool. Um and then in this, I guess like as a subculture, like as a, a movement, it's not just an individual. You have these people who through the violence of the cartel are like this culture is actually dying. Like, this is no longer uh, as populous as it once was simply because people are now forced to, you know, highly prioritize their safety and the safety of their families. Simply like what we witness with Ulysses is that he has to leave. Um, yeah. And so, to try to capture this image, and again, the look, the hair, the, the clothes, um, you know, that is, it's important. And, and these people are, there are people taking, taking notice to it. This film being made in 2018 to be released in 2019. You know, it's uh, now on Netflix. It's like mainstream. Um, some of these photographs that this, this uh, Stefan I forget his name. Uh, he took these photographs for Vice. He had um, a showing in Arizona at one of the universities over there. And then again, this like uh, Amanda Watson. It was a an, an academic book that was published um, under the name of Academia and Sociology. So, uh, I don't know. Do you have uh, anything to say on that? Just kind of like, oh no, I mean, ca- capture the, the the essence of what exists and yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, or kind of at least alluded
1: to, is that I mean, a lot of like a lot of things. Uh, it was kind of a, a um, casualty, of the narco. I mean, I guess I think at this point it's, it's safe safe enough to call it like the narco war in Mexico because that's basically what it was uh, for a few years in Mexico, um, with the heavy military presence. Out I mean, I had I had an uncle that actually passed away in Monterrey around those years. So I mean, like that whole area is like yeah, it's uh, the culture suffers, music suffers, everything. You know, like the um, Fashion and everything that was involved—that that, that we look at on the surface, at, at the subculture, and be like, "Oh wow, it's so vibrant and like so interesting and beautiful." Um, violence kind of just—you know—we uh, see in the movie, you know, affects everything, um, um, even if you're just adjacent to it. Um, um, and and for that, and for that matter, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even go go as far as saying like everybody uh, that was involved with the Tertcos in the film is really is innocent, uh, including even at least to himself, but I mean, definitely not a villain by any means or an antagonist. Um, it's just, uh, kind of the environment and in, in what these brought up with. I mean, I think it makes a kind of a larger point that um, a lot of the stuff that kind of, you know, happens and like gets, it just slides by and people don't say anything is, um, masculinity basically in, in, in Mexico and, and, uh, I think he kind of comes to terms with it a lot too. And just his whole experience of being, you know, fish out of the water is kind of a a reminder that, you know, he's, he's, he's mortal. He's not, he's, you know, he's not, he's not always this, you know, super, uh, adorned, uh, untouchable figure that he feels like he is whenever he's like in these, uh, grandiose outfits and these, uh, at these dance uh parties i guess you could call them like the the, the the times they come together i mean um he becomes a little bit even like a legend like a little local legend i don't know if you remember in one scene he he somebody stops him to take a photo of him because his, his look is so unique even for uh, monterrey and in the, in the little barrio that he's from in monterrey which i can't remember for the life of me um and to back that up i would uh, I would actually point to um, some of his friends because you kind of see a little bit of like a couple of parallel paths happen there. Ulysses um, obviously has his trials and tribulations going to a foreign country and not just a foreign country, but he, you know, going to New York uh, when you've been in, in in this little subculture of of, of, of Monterrey and Mexico, which is already like pretty specific unto itself, to be dropped in, into New York is like you know, it might as well have been a, another planet for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can empathize with him to a degree with that. Uh, just like the alienization you feel and just uh, being uh, on land, I guess you could say, even though I've, I've been here my whole life, but uh, I, I definitely understand that uh, having, having to be a translator often to other people, that confusion and like, uh, shock culture shock basically anyway um so he had a he had a couple of other uh guys on his team on his uh crew that were you know they kind of took their own paths uh, along the way and he kind of saw them happen um isai was uh one of the other i believe that's his name isai i may pronounce that wrong uh in that in his crew he was the one uh well i mean i'm not sure how, how much we want to talk about that. it would be spoilers here i
0: think Oh, yeah, true. Um, well, <clears throat> I will say this. Uh, I guess I didn't brief you on this. Uh, this conversation will be published at the end of the week. So we kind of already expected people to watch it. So we're just kind of getting more into it. Um, I think it's safe to, to you know, right. talk about the film. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to be ruining it for anybody who's listening and they haven't Watched seen it. the film. Yeah. Um, if you
1: have pause it, watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good call.
1: I remember, um, he, he said he was one of the other guys in his crew and he kind of took that, he kind of took, you know, the dark path uh, that he could have easily been, uh, fallen into. Um, violence was a part of, like, was a part of their lives, even from the beginning when, when they're just trying to walk by into another side of the neighborhood because the cops blocked out certain streets, uh, they have to they have to basically talk to this other uh, gang member I'm not sure if he's even part of their gang, and the only reason they they get a pass there is because they happen to know his big brother who was in prison um, and, and that's towards I think
0: middle of the beginning middle of the movie, um, of the movie. Um, yeah, I want to say that that's I guess kind of approaching the third act, but so yeah, yeah, I think it's it's definitely in the second act. Um, but yeah, no, that you, you you understand that. Um, yeah, I guess going back to the generations and the age. Yeah. Other uh, there, other
1: I mean, uh, you always you also have um, this. There, his other teammate, his other teammate or crewmate, uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. in that film. Um, he, he took uh, a different route as well. I don't know if you remember but when he finally makes his way back to his old neighborhood, he runs into Jeremy uh, and Jeremy is, is rapping uh, and he, he's wait, he waits for Jeremy to finish rapping. He's listening to the rap and the rap is, uh, it's Christian. Uh, so he's, he's rapping about God and uh, you could tell him like, you could tell he's had a completely different experience from being absent. Uh, he was always absent and Jeremy was always absent for all the other, a lot of the other major crew, uh, scenes because he was with his girlfriend, or, or you know, it doesn't—it's not really explained. But you can tell whenever he finally re- reconnects with Ulysses, uh that he's had uh, a little bit of like more peaceful route, um, and he, he kind of credits that to to um, to God. Uh, I don't exactly—I don't want to paraphrase him, but uh, it sounds like he, he credits that to, uh, I guess, his. Shift in, in spirituality. We're mm-hmm. on the other, Isai, which you know, took up arms, uh, and uh, Ulysses gets to kind of uh, see that through his eyes. Through 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 my, I believe it's MySpace. spaces, he's, he's using that platform. Kind of shows you the year he's in when he's in the library. Uh, he sees that his friends now hanging out with people that uh, carry guns. Um, so yeah, one of the things he does when he gets back, of course, is uh, attend his funeral. So it, it it seems like he had some sort of weird—I uh, want to say purgatory—but he had kind of like a test, really, of, of, of uh, kind of his identity. Um, I, I would go as far as saying that it was a little bit uh, more, more than, more so than that, just his masculinity, you know. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely either way, uh, just a, a test of his character to be able to, you know, go some
0: foreign land <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean i do see uh you know masculinity was a, a, a thought that i was having you know just as a theme you know um watching this film and yeah yeah you're absolutely right you know he he is adorned he is seen as this local legend and he is like top dog you know people love him they love his style they love his dance moves and you kind of really only see him next to or I guess surrounded by his crew and by his radio. You know, he spends some time at his house and you you do get to observe his family. But Mm -hmm. when he's there, he's just into the music. He's just into the radio. Um Mm -hmm. and then when you get when he he's transplanted to New York, you do see him kind of like this solitude, this these very slow shots of him just by himself just either sleeping or or uh you know looking through the 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 glass mirrors um down the streets of of queens and of new york city and he's on the metro he's just by himself it's much more uh a, a solitary experience and that right there like does kind of provide insight to the fact that like he is a sensitive individual. He is like, um, kind of like, coming to terms and trying to deal with this like big shock of a move that he's just had to make, just to have had made. And um, yeah, I mean the 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 experiences that he had uh, leading up to his need to leave, um, it's kind of like that big shock that that moment of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a trying moment and it does have impact on him as he is now in New York, like undoubtedly yeah. so. Yeah,
1: having to ask, uh, I mean, having to ask for help is like a big thing to, like, you know, hit his ego. Uh, you can tell he's like, you, you can tell even, even for, uh, I mean, it, it, maybe you can't tell, which is a problem, but like just me from watching the film, like it's up pretty instantly, like just the way that they talk, um, for example, at the begin uh at the beginning of them hanging out with uh that new kid, uh, S- uh um, they one of the other kids, which is say the the kid that eventually ended up taking up uh, taking up arms, he tells them like, "Hey, I like dress like this, hey, wear these clothes, uh talk like a man. Um and and like Ulises already embodies all this, so he's already kind of been steeped in this. Uh and for him to kind of be like taken out of this context in new york where nobody really you know cares about his style or like you know his little subculture in fact he gets yelled at on the on the on the the subway uh on the subway platform it's uh a bit of a kind of like a a challenge to his masculinity to be able to, to have to ask for help uh he goes back and asks uh um the the family uh the, the older Chinese man for that job that he was uh, trying to get uh, towards the beginning of his time in New York um, asks help uh, from his daughter, which I can't for the life of me remember her name right now.
0: Lynn, uh, yeah, Lynn,
1: yeah. Um, which those are moments I, I felt were like that's uh, for audiences that are you know not myself, or like I can understand him and like uh, regardless of his context in, in the United States. Uh, I feel like those are the kind of moments that, like, not only kind of humanizes him, uh, you know, across cultures, but also kind of, like, takes his, masculin- takes his masculinity and says, like, okay, well, can he actually step outside of himself and, like, to try to communicate with somebody that's, like, has no clue where he's from and, like, can he set his ego aside for a second and kind of, like, you know, explain himself. So uh, mm-hmm. the fact that he strike up that, that friendship, by the way, I would say it was like that's you know a good sign uh, for his uh, possible like stay in the United States if he had uh, if he could have stayed. But yeah, which that alone, the fact that he doesn't go doesn't, is, is a is a pretty big indicator on like how society kind of treats immigrants in
0: general. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get onto that point, because I do want to talk about you know the immigration and and side of the that side of the movie. Um, but one one thing that you just kind of resparked my memory of, and I guess I didn't realize this until just now, is that it's three different points in the film that he does go to ask someone for help. He does um, let's see you 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 mentioned Lynn uh, in regards to just kind of being a friend and someone to listen to and someone to speak with. Uh, you mentioned the um, The Lin's grandfather, the Chinese man who employs Ulysses to do some work on the roof. And then the third, which I just remembered, was the elder woman, or the older woman. uh, uh, Her name is, I believe, Gladys. I'm not sure. Um, But anyway, so he first meets her uh, at a bar who, this is, okay, so to give it context, he's staying with the the people who are employing him um, it's just a, a group of mexicanos you can only assume i guess um, but they speak spanish they do share a language so he stays with them there's a falling out between that in in the dispute between the music um and so that night or sometime beforehand he he had gone out to the bar with those uh with those guys he had met gladys and so they had a connection And then towards the end of the film, he is trying to call his mother on a payphone in New York. And he's like, you know, talking about coming home. And she just says, no, like, if you come home, like you will die. I don't have a son anymore. If you come home, like, don't come home, you know, just stay there. And then, you know, as he's like, kind of drunk, he's, He's just roaming the streets. He ends up going back to that bar to find Gladys, and the bouncer he's like, "No, go home, like you know you're just a kid, and he's like, "No, like she's my mother, like go get her and like him saying that she is his mother was like obviously one way that he could have convinced the the bar or the 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 doorman to Go inside and go retrieve Gladys, but also in a way it is kind of like instinctual. It is the only sort of woman, motherly figure that he has uh throughout this entire experience. Because again, when he's in Monterey, uh, you know, yes, he has his mother and his mother is present, but you know, they don't really have too much of a relationship. And then with his his dynamic with Lynn, it's more of, of friends, you know, obviously. I think she's more interested in him than he is in her. And and we see that kind of play out. But uh, again, with this like notion of, of masculinity and asking for help, uh, he does sort of surrender this, this uh, machismo, you know, He, he does surrender this sense of control. And he does go to ask for help. And I think just simply with the the language that he uses of, of she's my mom, she's my mama, like go get her. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then she comes, you know, she, she, she shows up, she, she uh, is there for him. And I think that that right there um, as sort of the final moment in which he does ask for help, like really solidifies the, 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 you know, just kind of like, humanizing himself and and allowing himself to be vulnerable um
1: yeah of course i mean
0: at that point he was you know
1: basically homeless uh i mean he had already been, even been homeless but this is a, 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 a even sunk even lower he couldn't stay uh where he where he was staying before so it was just kind of out of desperation like who has any kind of tie to me that uh, could help me in this situation and uh you remember that she they had struck up a conversation. So, this older Colombian woman, which is kind of I feel really telling as you know, kind of where his culture, where his where his music or preference in music uh, comes from, is this, you know older older Colombian cumbia, which she's familiar with uh, personally, but not in the same uh, aspect that he is. So, uh, there's a kind of cross generational there. She says, yeah, she's definitely. Uh, 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 mother figure to him in that in that moment uh in his moment. um so yeah i thought that was that was pretty cool uh uh, and just her not the whole uh kind of her not understanding why they were slowed down was like kind of funny it's like you know it's a kind of generational thing where uh, yeah he he had to explain that it's like yeah it's on purpose we we (laughs) like we like our music this way uh but yeah, um, it. I don't know if that has any if that has any bearing on like his and, uh, his views on immigration. But at, at, certainly at that point, he was like just not uh, not having a good time in, in the U.S. Uh, it's just understandable that uh, you know people uh, in a lot of different ways, and is just having this very um, rough uh,
0: introduction. You know? yeah absolutely and i think that that's another okay so you know let's kind of shift this towards immigration if we will um you know in i guess like cinema in in you know common american cinema and media that we consume as americans uh it is always telling of you know the american dream that if you come to america you can you can strike riches you can uh, you know, build your wealth, and you can pursue this capitalist dream of of wealth and money and success and happiness. I guess. Um, and here in this experience of this sort of modern take, this modern look on on immigration, you see that you know he was forced to flee Monterrey. He was. It was his uncle and his mother who. Uh, you know did them did him the favor of you know i 've got some connections in new york like you 're just going to go, no question about it, and it 's also for the safety of the family there so you know it wasn 't ulysses 's choice to go uh, and that is you know common amongst a lot of the 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 experiences of today and and you know victims of the uh, poverty and violence and and war you know in latin america you do see you know in 2018 the caravan of of migrants coming to the united states to seek refuge um so that you know in 2011 uh kind of like yeah the onset of the narco cartel violence that he was experiencing firsthand he then left and he goes to the u.s and again i guess with like movies in the past that i've seen uh there's always this like you know, rosy eyed glasses of, of coming into America, getting off the boat or stepping on to the runway of the airport. And like, you're there and it's like beautiful. And, uh, anyway, so this, I think telling of a story in which like, he's got no friends, he's got no family, he's got no place to stay anymore. Um, because of the, the conflicts that have presented themselves to Ulysses, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess, like at the end, when he is essentially deported, he wakes up drunk, or he's woken up by the police um, mm-hmm. after sleeping on the streets, and yep. they take him to.
1: I think uh, he's already deported once. At that point, um, I believe he came back uh, in the back of a van one, at one point.
0: Um, okay, so I, you know, I thought about that, and I, and I. So it's I a watched. Little-
1: there's like some jumping around in the timelines, but I'm pretty sure he, like, he was deported and had come back once. And he was, uh, I think at that time he may not have even been in New York at that point. I believe he may have just been in the Valley in McAllen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how far the family had gone or if maybe traveled after that, but it was a, a Macallan, uh, mission uh, missionary church. It was a, a a van for a church I believe it was or no it was a shopping trip
0: (laughs) yeah it was a shopping trip they were gonna go like get some good deals at a an outlet mall um but okay so I I I don't recall I'll have to double check um you know I've seen this movie twice now so uh maybe I'll watch it a third time but um I think his haircut was still like the tercos look when he was in the van so when he got out of that van and he arrives in McAllen.
1: He goes to a, uh, he goes to a hardware store, picks up paint. Uh, and for whatever reason decides to try to, or maybe glue. I don't know. He, oh, he's, he's
0: yeah. He's huffing paint. Yeah.
1: He's huffing uh, glue or paint or some sort of chemical. Mm-hmm. And um, like right after, like when he, whenever he had gotten back into the U S um, which uh, i have to review the movie to understand why he came back the second time or why he came back the first time, but it may have just been more of the same, just fear for his family. Uh, but you could tell he was obviously in pain and missing his friends that he was you know, trying to get high just to bring back memories, uh, having memories of, of when he was with his, uh, with his friends, those dead Those are actually some of the most beautiful shots when he's actually uh, hallucinating, I guess you could say or remembering uh, whatever he's uh, uh, found just on the side of the street, just, you know, uh, from huffing whatever chemical it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think after that is when he finally, you know, is deported for the final time. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he makes the choice on purpose. Um, There's a very short scene where he's talking to a lady uh, who who I can only assume is a... um, USCIS uh, employee, uh, uh, Customs uh, um, employee,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and she's asking him like, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? He's not going back, and it may take some time, but if you come back, you like, you'll be arrested." Uh, and uh, he just replies with, "I'm not coming back." Um, which after that, there's just a scene, and you know, in, in a what well, looks like a temporary facility. It's not even really like. A, a permanent facility for, for housing immigrants but you could tell there's immigrants on the ground, uh, on the hard ground with the, the emergency blank, those foil emergency blankets. Uh, and he's, he's being released at that point. Um, that's around the second time that you get, you hear uh, the, the radio intermission uh, with Benito talking about uh, the military being sent into Monterrey and he's going back. So, uh, it kind of gives you like a lot of like dissonance at the end. You're just kind of like, wait, so he's going back, but there's like still danger. And you're just like, well, yeah. Um, and, uh, that's at that point he goes to, um, his friend's funeral. He's, he he revisits some people, which we've already talked about. Um, I think in the end when you see him with his, with his, uh, hair grown out, uh, he he looks like he's kind of, uh, trying to find something to like take refuge in and uh, this all just kind of goes back to the music itself the cumbia music which uh, it's more and more from what I understand a kind of front and center like his little sanctuary uh, for all those times so even when he was in New York you know uh, he didn't want to accommodate uh, what those other guys were listening to his roommates were listening to which was corridos or pop music mm-hmm. uh, at the very end he's on the roof uh, in Monterrey on on the roof of some building and he's just he does puts his earphones on and does like one last dance, uh where, you know, he puts on some of his favorite music, which, you know, I guess is what that has carried has carried him like the whole way through, which is the Columbia.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's uh I mean that's a really powerful scene. And then of course, you know, his his little radio dies and that's just like, you know, kind of what we're left with. Um But, yeah, no, again, like, I'll have to revisit to see, like, the timeline of of him, like, getting deported and everything. That was a a little choppy, a lot of scenes, a lot of cuts um, uh, following each other. And, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of just goes back with, like, the uh, kind of, like, his relationship to his environment. And, of course, like, being from Monterrey and being a part of this culture Uh, this counterculture subculture obviously like the environment has shaped that culture like he would not be a tercos any other place he he is a product of his environment and um, again kind of like with the big cities in which he uh, spends his time you see a lot of shots of Monterrey in the background you see the the cityscapes you see the lights and then you kind of in the foreground, you see the, the neglected streets, some of the ruins, some of like a more typical um, or I guess stereotypical uh, imagery of streets that uh, people so strongly associate, which I guess the reason why I say that is because Monterrey is like actually one of the most developed cities, uh, not just in Mexico, but all in, of all of Latin America. So like there is commerce, there is um, you know, public transportation, like it is a developed city. And I guess, you know, he is on the outskirts. So that is uh, kind of a separation that he is uh, experiencing of this like large metropolis area and then his neighborhood, his barrio. And then you go to New York and of course, like, you know, you're just law, you know, being in New York is so intimidating with the size and everything. And you just, you, you, can go your whole life without ever seeing anybody twice. And I don't know. It's so the environment that he like just kind of navigates himself through has always been kind of like on the outside. Um, and yeah. then when he gets back to Monterrey, there is a scene in which he's like walking up to that rooftop that you just spoke of. And it's kind of like a ruined building. Um, and so he's like walking and he's got his headphones in again, his hair is grown out. He's already, made his rounds with his old friends and he is just walking by himself listening to his music. And there's a group of, of, you know, I guess a crew, I don't know if they're a part of the the Columbia dance crew or they're just a small gang, but there is a crew of people running the opposite direction. They are running straight towards him and short, like, right behind them are the military police, like they are being chased and he just walks right by them. And it's just, you know, going against the grain, not necessarily like being consumed by the, the Mm -hmm. environment in which he exists in, and then getting to get himself on the rooftop, you know, kind of like, again, Monterrey in this area, Nuevo Leon, is very mountainous and and he is kind of like perched into this uh higher vantage point and so he's like looking down at the hills uh of these streets the 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 rolling hills and, and the mountains in the background and you know i guess like symbolically he's still on top you know he's still like a top dog but in his own mind you know he's like come to terms with himself being there um He's accepted that he's there and not for anybody else. You know, it's just for him and the music for what he loves.
1: Yeah. I think in the end, he's kind of taken like the, the good, the good things uh, of his experiences and just kind of try to hang on to those, even though, you know, Monterey is still, the city itself is still like, you know, literally city shining on a hill for him. It's still just like a dream. It's not anywhere attainable. And uh, the whole, Trip to New York and the United States was like, you know, disorienting to say the least, uh, which is, you know, kind of comes across a lot in the way that the film is kind of uh, put together uh, with all the flashbacks and flash forwards. But yeah, it, it, I think, yeah, end, I don't, I don't think he sees himself as fully part of that, uh, the like whole Colombia with a K and that uh, uh, culture, subculture. Um, like I don't, I don't think he, he still identifies with it 100% you know what I mean I, I wouldn't say he's not by any means rejecting it uh, I, I think in that uh, in that time that he spends when he's gotten home he gets he gains, he's gained perspective just from being away um, he's seen what uh, how some of his friends have thrived how some of his friends have literally died um, and he's kind of like in the middle of it uh, trying to decide like what you know what do I take from here what do I take from this you know uh, and I think it's I think it's pretty positive, pretty cool that he didn't throw away the music. I think that was something that he just like still uh, still liked and like didn't like you know negatively associate with any of that so uh, but I think even from the beginning he knew that like he wasn't trying to be he wasn't trying to be a gangster even though he was kind of painted as um painted yeah. as one. And, and like, they weren't 100% innocent. I know that uh, some of the, that someone at some point
0: earlier in the movie when they are in, they, they robbed some kid with his lunch money. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: um,
0: if Okay, so, like, I don't obviously condone stealing, like, money just straight up pickpocketing from a person on the street. Like, yeah, they're not innocent. Um, what I will say, though, and I guess this is, like, you know, call me immoral for it or whatever, but... Um, They're doing it to raise funds, you know, quote unquote, raising funds for this new radio that he holds with them through his time in New York. Uh, And this radio is expensive. And the reason why it's expensive is because this like this vendor in this little, uh, you know, market has his own personal songs on there. He's got a uh, he's got a mix of a, a little bit of everything. And and so the crew, you know, it's not just for Ulysses, it is for the crew that they want this radio to listen mm-hmm. to. And so again, like they kind of crowdsource uh, the funds for it and they eventually acquire it. And then it's only when Ulysses is, you know, getting sent to New York, which the very first scene of the film is him uh, hugging his friend Chaparra. Um, and, the term? sorry?
1: Did she give it a him Right,
0: it's been a minute I think yeah so she he was like hugging I, I believe it was his mother and then he like stops hugging her and then another vehicle arrives and then Chapada gets out and goes to hug Ulysses and he she gives him the radio and he's just like damn it and then he just like gives her a hug and then um and then he takes off and and he's on his journey um and then yeah it kind of you know as the plot Jumps around, um, we then understand where he's going and why. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I guess what I was going to say is uh, just you know him not being completely innocent. Yes, uh, the reason for him kind of resorting to crime was not for any selfish gain, uh, but more you know for the love to support the love and the the, the passion for the music and. I guess just to, one thing else to add to that um, of kind of like, you know, how he doesn't really want to be a gangster. He doesn't really want to involve himself in crime and in violence. Um, and just kind of reaffirming how much he does love Gumbia and how much he is a Colombiano uh, is the, the video that he shows Lynn in the library of him as a little boy dancing and even as a child, he got notoriety, um, someone with a camera then, someone on a news feed uh, filmed him and put yeah. that into the internet. And he's got that recording as proof. And it. it is a little, Ulysses, well, you know, just just tearing it up on the dance floor. Like he, he, he this is like, this is his identity. This, this Columbia music is him and there's no separation from that
1: or even in mexico it was a, like a curiosity like you know it wasn't uh even in mexico it was very rare uh very unique uh subculture to happen so yeah uh in the yeah the article he's as a little boy dancing um you can tell that the the reporter's just like oh yeah in this in this barrio they, they actually like they love uh Cumbres colombianas and like uh, they, yeah it, it was a whole thing unto itself and he's a product of it
0: yeah no it was uh (laughs) it was a really like kind of heartwarming scene of just like seeing this little boy uh just you know and then as we fast forward and into real time of the movie of uh you know that's still him uh and then again yeah to go to the very end scene of of he he kind of lost the the look he he no longer wore like the baggy bright clothes it was just kind of like slightly baggy you know they they they're a little bit more fitting, but his hair had grown out and he didn't run with his crew anymore. It was just him. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I guess like, I don't know if the thesis of this film is, is to kind of just stay true and like, you know, be who you are. But I guess, you know, I, in in, in one facet, you know, uh, we've talked about how he, how he asked for help. So he's not just like this, uh, you know, gotta get his, gotta get his own, like only looking out for his own. It's nothing like that. Um, it is, you know, I guess just, uh, yeah, just kind of toying at the idea of, of, of identity and, and self-expression and, um,
1: I think yeah. Also, just you know, like not being afraid to be yourself, and like potentially looking, you know, looking dumb in front of somebody else. Like just because, like maybe their sensibilities aren't really the same thing. He gets yelled at on the subway, and like he just continues like doing his own thing, you know, or mm-hmm. um, so because you just didn't understand the guy. But like in the end, uh, he still like is into the music, uh, regardless of what's happened to his friends uh, or whether or not he is still has the, the whole hairdo and look like uh the music is still like you know central to 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 his like, interest and in the, in the whole culture but yeah mm-hmm. um, one
0: yeah. thing if uh if we still got some time left here um one thing that i do want to talk about real quick is his ex- one of his experiences in new york with lynn and so again Lynn is a sixteen year old girl who lives with her grandfather in her grandfather's bodega, and Ulysses does some work for her grandfather on top of the roof and as the work is done, they become friends they they sort of have through broken language uh an exchange of cultures but Lynn is obviously more interested in Ulysses than he is in her and so she like loves his videos, she loves his music, she loves his clothing and his hair. And then she starts to dress like him. And then she goes to her friends at school, You know, she's gotta go to school with a new haircut and with some new clothes. And then her friends, these new friends that she makes are like, hey, these new people who I just met really like my clothes and they like your style, like they invited us to a party so now it's kind of like they're cool because or she's like experiencing this attention because of like this look you know this this trend of or this fashion that she's kind of like um i guess like appropriating um and anyway so like they obviously have an exchange so there is like some some depth to that it's not just like see it on the street and then like uh take it as yours but um anyway, so then like yeah, the people at the party, he goes outside and is like smoking a cigarette and there are two two young girls out there who are, like, oh, we want to take uh, a photo with you, like, you know, let's take a photo. So he like then becomes this like fashion, you know, like his his culture, his uh his style becomes like a trend uh mm-hmm. in New York and he sees like I don't know, maybe he doesn't like it. He, he sees, uh, Lynn, like dancing to, to some music at the party. That's like kind of like pop, but she's like twerking. And he's like, Oh, that's not the dance that I do. You know, it's like, he's not interested in that, but obviously she is. And like, um, then he just kind of leaves the party. Uh, anyway, I just, I I wanted to kind of maybe hear your thoughts on what you thought about, like his experience in New York with like the, the friends of Lynn and, and, like with Lynn herself?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, like, it's a, they're basically just from two different complete planets. So um, him, he's, like, his understanding of a lot of things is, like, you know, there's, has his own lens to it, it, which is, you know, completely different to, like, what, the reason why anybody would come together for at another, like, at an American party, an American high school party at that. Uh, So, yeah. He definitely has a, a, a kind of a, a rough time and, and he, that feels misunderstood even then. He has a moment in the bathroom. He like, you know, uh, breaks a mirror, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Um, he, he, spits, he spits on the mirror, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it, it's, uh, there's, you know, this feeling of alienation, which I don't know if that was mainly because uh, he saw, you know, his – Subculture being appropriated and recoiled from that, or just was a general feeling of just like frustration, which is kind of what I I uh, registered it as uh, of just like general frustration, more general frustration with being misunderstood, which you would already been having in the U.S. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, there is a little bit of a dark side to that, and I, I didn't really think about that that in that way too, because he gets he gets noticed pretty early on in New York. I mean, he's, he looks really different uh, for, you know, everybody that's seen the, the the film. He has, like, he's got a shaved uh, head. Mm-hmm. He has really long hair on his bangs and uh, kind of like a fringe, I guess, a square fringe and, like, yeah, fully shaved ball over here and his tips are frosted
0: blonde, if I'm mistaken. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a, like, a... It's gelled, you know, all the gel and, and yeah... It's a look, <laughs> yeah, it's a look to
1: say the least, uh, so he gets noticed pretty pretty early on by a photographer um which I completely empathize at this moment, you know you see somebody interesting uh you uh you, the first thing is like, oh wow, like recognition or like you know the like unique uh aspect to it, so you, you know, take like, takes a photo of of uh ulysses and tries to get the other guys to talk to him about like, hey, I like your look, blah blah, blah. Um, uh, the other guys like kind of blow him off. I don't know if it's jealousy or what, but they basically don't like. They didn't really help him out there uh, to get noticed by somebody that could have potentially brought uh, him uh, closer to you know an American dream. I guess you could say. I don't. I don't really know at that point. You know. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Path, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah. yeah hears anything back from that photographer so he just got his photo taken and basically you know kind of taken advantage there uh like nothing you he never heard from that guy ever again uh i'm sure he ended up you know this photo would end up in some magazine or something uh yeah which you know like i understand that too like uh taking photos in other countries or just taking yeah taking photos in mexico for example uh i come across a lot of interesting things where uh, I have to kind of, like, do a gut check, like, okay, look, this person looks super interesting, but do I, am I, like, helping them in any way? Uh, and it, it, I really have to think about it sometimes, too, because it's, some, a lot of times for me, it's what I notice is, like, uh, manual laborers or uh, just laborers in general, uh, any food service workers, like, uh, they just, when I come across in Mexico City, I'm like, this person's really striking. Or for whatever reason, like they something that they're doing really interests me, and um, a lot of times I either make sure that I like purchase some of their services, or uh, in some way contribute to them. If if I'm not buying something from them, I'll sometimes I'll even just directly ask them if I can just pay them for a photo. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting thing to think about that scene where he gets asked for a photo and gets like nothing for it. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah no absolutely when I when I first saw the film I you know I, I've i been to France I've lived there uh, I've traveled around Europe for a little bit um, I was recently in California with my parents and I, I got to visit LA for the first time and so yeah like getting to kind of uh, travel and, and shooting street photography portraits of just people um, yeah you know it, it, it is what you find interesting that Uh, compels you to take a photo and then like you're saying just kind of doing this gut check Um, so in a way when i first saw that scene happen uh yeah i kind of like identified myself with the photographer just kind of like just really casually on the street with a camera wanting to take a photograph of somebody and then as you said ulysses getting taken advantage of because Perhaps that photographer, yeah, did make some money, or perhaps the uh i mean if if anything at least like it just shows that the the people who he was working with like didn't care whatsoever about Ulysses and like want to help him out. they just like blew him off so like blatantly and just like without a second thought, so um,
1: everybody judged him basically as kind of what kind of what I've come to see in this movie, uh, just based on his on his appearance,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was rejected by, um, you know, the, uh, I mean, his uncles and stuff, he,
1: they helped him out, but they didn't like him at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was, a. yeah, he had a really difficult time finding his place, finding his niche. And I think, you know, at a certain point it, he had already found it and that's where he was from. That's, you know, being from his barrio in, in Monterrey, um, so yeah that was that was kind of tricky but uh i think i had okay so like kind of rewinding back to a previous topic we were talking about and the like costume you know the 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 wardrobe that we were in the film i think i i derailed myself anyway um going back to the scene of of the photographer asking to take the photograph um Going to the director, Fernando Frias de la Parra, he, okay, so like this film employed mostly non professional actors. Like the people in the scenes in Monterrey, uh, part of this Colombia culture, those were like authentic individuals, you know, they, you know, may have, you know, put on a different shirt, you know, thinking that it would look better. Um, but you know, this culture is like, it actually exists, you know, this culture does still exist. And the director, uh, wanted to capture and maintain and preserve this image, uh, by altering as little as possible. Like he just showed up on set, um, you know, after speaking with the people, after kind of introducing himself and and integrating himself into the, this like little world uh he basically just told them to do as they do and they started playing on their drums and with their 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 cowbell and their accordions and these people just danced you know uh it wasn't really much that he, the director and the 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 crew of the film had to do to 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 get them you know for the shots that they wanted I guess it it so in that sense it is kind of like a documentary um yet it's obviously fic- fictitious that uh, los tercos aren't real they're not a real gang um but anyway yeah so i just wanted to to kind of go back to a thought that i i remembered not having completed um but yeah
1: yeah another that's super interesting like subtlety so i hadn't really heard of, uh too much of it until i watched it uh, uh the first time and like uh it it definitely was something that i'd like maybe glanced at or i know that I know that it existed in in a, in a sense i know there i know there are like uh for lack of a better term i guess there are uh, people that like cholo, cholo culture in mexico i know that's a thing um i didn't i did not know that it, uh, that there was also uh, a, a big cumbia influence and, and cumbia scene um, although i didn't know that cumbia in general was uh, making a little bit of a resurgence, not necessarily all cumbias, so not all these chopped and screwed cumbias, uh, with all this other, you know, regalia and like the outfits and all that. But I do you know that cumbia in particular, just, uh, traditional Colombian cumbia has been making a little bit of a comeback. I actually really, yeah, I enjoy some of it too. Um, uh, and it, it's funny because, uh, it's generally seen as, uh, um, it's generally seen as a genre in, in Mexico that is for, uh, the, this like the scene like senior citizen population. It's it's seen as a, as a genre for older people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were definitely out on a limb, like making it their music and, and slowing it down and stuff was just like adding a whole other spin to it. The yeah. Uh, generally, uh, Cumbias, uh, if you ask any Mexican person, uh, it brings up memories of, uh, cumbia being played uh, during a wedding or something like that or some sort of family event where it's like grandma and grandpa dancing, you know, like slowly, dancing really slowly. So that's like a, uh, that's kind of the image of cumbia within like Mexican uh, genres because of course uh, where he's from in Monterrey is, 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 is uh, it's, that's frontera, that's the northern, northern that's northern Mexico. People like norte- there and like corridos and like that stuff is like more like uh you know our equivalent of like um outlaw country or something like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, from from the from the ranch and just
0: like you you uh, had mentioned agrarian
1: yeah it's just like it's like ranch music from uh uh the people that like work the lands and like you know have uh property on the lands it's just like so much more like uh, country music, when it, uh, or is seen more as, of course, more tropical because they know it's not, you know, they know it's not Mexican, uh, because it has a like syncopated beat. It, it has a little bit of a, a reminiscence of like reggaeton, which is, like has already become, you know, a massive genre in Mexico. Uh, so, that like kind of repetitive beat that they have, like that was just like I feel like they picked up on the cues from reggaeton and like applied it to kugia uh, music and like, you know, instead of it being fast, it, like slowed it down. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 uh, I like that it was just kind of very specific about the, the genre. I, I learned a lot about, uh, about that that I hadn't known. Um, and even though I knew like Cholo uh, culture was already kind of influenced or influences some cultures in, in Mexico, I just didn't know if it, how, more it was organized or how less it was organized but yeah to see that it has like this uh, uh this piece in like a larger subculture of Kobia is pretty interesting not something i uh, i've ever experienced firsthand
0: yeah absolutely not um you know likewise to you i uh, had no idea about this this subculture until i saw this movie and this movie was recommended to me uh by a good friend and so um you know i i have listened to cumbia i heard it a lot when i was growing up um i have family in mcallen and so you know that's it's just very popular over there um i spent some time in france and there were some of my coworkers who were over there who uh One of them was from Colombia. Another one was from uh, Yucatan. And so, and then another friend, uh, one of our coworkers, she was from Venezuela. And so the, you know, all of us would get together and we would listen to Cumbia. And it was like in a totally different context of listening to this music. Uh, We were sitting there drinking wine, kind of embracing the French culture. Yet Mm -hmm. it brought back a lot of memories of being in, in McAllen, of, of, I have spent some time in Piedras Negras uh, at the border of Eagle Pass in Texas. Um, I've also spent some time down in, and Ario de Rosales, which is, I guess about like two hours away from Mexico city. Um, Anyway, so like listening to this cumbia in France kind of like brought me back to a lot of experiences and memories that I had had in Texas and in Mexico. And then watching this movie, I was in France two years ago. So, you know, I kind of, stop listening to the music uh listen to other things and anyway watching this film hearing the music and then like getting back into like chopped and screwed and those influences like i don't know this this movie really like resonated with me it's it does resonate with me and i i like really enjoy this i don't know like this movie in my opinion is just like a great movie um you know you and i were texting earlier uh just like that this movie is a gem you know people should watch this people should okay. kind of like get this glimpse into this little pocket of life
1: i mean like like i don't even think it's uh, too niche to say like if you're american like you just wonder about mexican culture like watch this and you might ask like well why this? this isn't really too representative of like all of mexico and i'm just like well yeah that's exactly why because like there's everything there you know what i mean there's all kinds of little like uh, little sub- subcultures like that and these are some of the ones that are uh for better or worse like or for worse actually are are generally viewed like very negatively like up front um people judge uh the, like cholos in the u.s just based on their look or they must be criminals etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know layer that on top of the fact that they're, they're actually not even from the u.s like these and they happen to be in neighborhoods where uh, nautical activity goes on, and like crime and stuff. So like, sure, like you can judge by, like you know judge a book by its cover, but like uh these kind of movies, uh, this movie in particular, kind of goes to show that like you, you definitely shouldn't like you miss you would be missing out on a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's really well said, Um and you know again that's that's really the whole focus of um, of this series. And, you know, I was doing some thinking about it earlier. Um, This this film right here kind of serves as like the unofficial thesis to this whole series. Um, Just again, like, you know, it's not representative of the whole, but it is representative of a small and colorful and beautiful um, experience in a beautiful culture. And I think that that is exactly why I wanted to show this movie. That's why it resonated with me. And um, you know, for the weeks to come, I hope that the next few films, I, I have a few more lined up uh for October. I, I'm hoping that those can kind of like in their own ways play into it. I, I do want to talk about like politics and, and cultural backdrops, uh cultural context. Um, but I don't think that any of the other films are gonna be like as not poignant, that's not the right word, but, uh, as you know, spot on, like, you know, hitting the, the, just, just hitting the the, the mark with it. But
1: yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to like, it's pretty broad, uh, and, and it's kind of, uh, and what it says about culture really, and like immigration and, and, and yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, um, another theme, uh, that, really kind of stands out to me with this film is is just globalization and and kind of like you know there's no going back you know we can't just retreat into uh nationalism and and like self preservation of 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 culture and and super conservative traditions like i don't know like the world is so interconnected and we do see you know uh via the internet and and media just we're able to absorb and kind of intake a lot of of things that go around in the world. And, you know, sometimes it is just like a gem that, uh, you, you kick over a rock and you find something really beautiful underneath and it's like, you know, worthwhile to, to take notice to it. Um, but anyway, Carlos, do you have any, uh, do you have any other thoughts? I know we've been kind of talking for a little while here. Uh, any other thoughts you want to share? Anything?
1: Um, I think really like, that's just like the main thing I would, I would, uh, kind of draw from this film is just that they don't like, don't like, uh, don't judge a book for its cover and like, yeah, just, uh, keep an open mind. Uh, that's what that, that's what this film kind of taught me. So, um, yeah, even if we're from like completely different cultures or even like, even if they're from different same countries, different cultures, as we saw in the movie, uh, there's just like still just a lot to offer in humanity, like no matter what you know what little corner or like of the world they're from or how well it how well off it is so
0: yeah, no, absolutely that's great cool man um well, I think uh you know there's so much more to talk about this movie, I feel like we could we could continue for another few hours um But uh, anyway, Carlos, I want to thank you for your time here. Uh, You know, again, this is part of the Cinema Latin Experience Mexico, a month focused in on on contemporary 21st century Mexican cinema. Um, Anyway, we've got a lot of other stuff lined up for the next few weeks. But uh, again, Carlos, thank you. Hyperreal, thank you. Uh, For all the people who listened to this this far, you know, thanks for sticking around. But uh, yeah, I guess we're going to sign off here and and we'll catch y'all next week. All right. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Later. Easy.